short scripture lessons, very, very short. And the first is from uh, 1 Thessalonians. And at home, you can say this with me. Uh, so let us say together, pray without ceasing. Our lives are supposed to be lived swimming in prayer. And Jesus, speaking in the Gospel of Matthew, says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have the faith. The word of God for people of God. Amen. Whatever you ask for in prayer, you'll receive if you have faith. Well, Lord, I have faith, for how, so how about some answers to some really difficult questions I've been wrestling with for a long, long time? We've been wrestling with some of these questions, but I've heard countless others. Like, why does God let bad things happen? Like, child abuse. Why can't God just protect that child? Why doesn't God call out to serial killers and tell them not to do that or simply stop them before they do their evil? Questions like, God, have you been around forever? Will you be around forever? Where are you, God? God, what is your purpose? Wrestled with the question, does God ever not forgive us? In the Bible, it says all are created equal. Does God still think this? Does God love everyone equally? Is that fair? Does God speak to people? And if so, is it only certain people? Why them? Why not me? Where are you, God, when I stumble and when I mess up? And God, why don't you just simply tell me what to do audibly so I know I'm doing what you want? God, do you really exist? Why in the Bible are most of the main people men and many of them bad men? Questions like, is heaven real? What really happens after death? And today's question is simply, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Because it seems like I'm getting nothing back, no matter how hard and earnestly I pray. Those are just a few. Of course, there are more questions, but the humanness and honesty of those questions are remarkable. And it has been my experience that most everyone will walk around with questions like these their entire lives. At the very heart of our faith is a humility. A simple acknowledgement that we do not know everything there is to know about ultimate things. To know about God. And what makes it difficult is it seems that that's how God intends it. From the acknowledgement and humility at the heart of what we believe comes a willingness to listen to what other people have to say, a respect for other cultural and religious traditions, a deep respect for people of all faiths. And we know that our faith comes from that oldest and most precious of our beliefs. And for many, it's hard to swallow that God is never completely known by anyone here on this side of eternity. Now, this truth is no way a suggestion that we stop thinking about God or using our minds, our intellects, our amazing critical faculties to ask the most difficult of questions, to struggle with the most vexing challenges. As God's people, we are called to do it. Now, to the contrary, it is a call to lift up, to acknowledge and celebrate that, that good Christian tradition of intellectual inquiry. It is simply a reminder, friends, we need to be reminded of these truths. There are limits to human knowledge, that ultimate truth lies beyond our understanding, 
and that humility before the mystery is our most important human characteristic in Christian tradition. And it appears that God means for it to be this way, which is actually good news. God means for there to be a freedom to think, to inquire, to struggle, and yes, even to doubt. God means for human beings to have faith, to be people who trust when all the answers have run out, do we still have faith? Do we still trust? God's people ultimately do. God means for us to remember that no one has all the truth all the time. The question of God is one every human being asks in one way or another also answers. What makes us uniquely Christian is the conviction that God has decided to reach across the gap between the transcendent and the mundane, between the sacred and the human, and in one whom we know as God's own son to show us everything that we need to know about the love, grace, and mercies of our God. Scripture says no one has ever seen God, but in John's gospel we hear, it is God the only son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit's work here on earth. We can get a glimpse even if it's just dimly right now, of the ultimate reality of the love of God. And you see, over time, what we and millions before us have concluded is that God is love, a love that we can know. And looking at, and thinking about that man, Jesus, how he lived, how he taught, how he forgave, how he accepted, how he welcomed all, how he healed and reached out to the lost and marginalized, how he died, we know enough about God to trust God with our own lives, our own futures, and ultimately, in our own death. And so today we're talking about prayer I'm asked about prayer constantly. We know deep down that, that it is the, the prayer and meditation is the center of all spirituality, and we want it, but we struggle. Yes, we heard that call to pray without ceasing, and yes, we heard that if we ask, we will receive as long as we believe, but we also hear some painful cries out of the Old Testament. The psalmist says in Psalm 28, 1, to you, O Lord, I call my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down into the pit. Or later in Psalm, Psalm 83, O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. And then that real cry of pain from Job, crying out to God, I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. And so many of us know what that feels like. And so we ask, why are my prayers unanswered? And sometimes those prayers are for really big things. Prayers of, of a loved one who, is, who has just heard that their child or their spouse or their parent has been diagnosed with something terrible. And we, we pray, God, take this cancer away. Let there be a cure. And we know that sometimes that prayer is unanswered. We know that any family that's ever sent somebody off to a war uh, to defend our country, defend freedoms, that their prayer is, please bring this loved one back to me, alive, well, safe. And yet we know that sometimes they come back in bags. 
We pray for meaningful employment just to be turned down time and time again. Or maybe we pray that a spouse, that we were in a relationship that was once so life-giving that that spouse would come back and that things would return to how they were before, only to hear that that person has somebody else in their life right now. All of those painful and real. Even in the Bible, there are examples of unanswered prayer. Even the spiritual giants who had a prayer seemingly unanswered, or at least not given the answer they wanted. The Apostle Paul, the, the one man, uh, just fully human man, who's probably responsible for the spread of Christianity in our world more than anyone else, he was struck with an affliction. And scholars debate what it was. The truth is, we can only guess, because Scripture doesn't come out and literally tell us. There are some clues. Most believe that after he was knocked down on the road uh, to Damascus uh, with the sh- uh, shingles over his eyes that he never once saw right again. But here's what Paul said in, in to the church in Corinth. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this. He's saying three times I prayed that God would, would, would take it away from me, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Yes, he asked and asked again and asked a third time to be delivered from that affliction, but God did not heal them, him. And instead of feeling like his prayer wasn't answered, he comes to that conclusion, no, it's to keep me humble that the power and strength of our God might shine through. I had a, an employee maybe 10 years ago now. He was tall, he was smart, he was great looking, he was a great former college athlete, and his fiance was a beautiful, beautiful young woman. Um, you know, she was healthy, she was a college soccer player, she had been homecoming queen and prom queen. And then all of a sudden she didn't start to feel right And in her very early 20s, even before she was out of college, she was given the diagnosis of MS. And those initial prayers are, God, heal this from me. Take it away from me. Or or that that real prayer of, 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 why me? Why so young? And yet she persisted in prayer. She did not give up. And God started to work with her and change her, and she's gotten to the point where she can praise God for her affliction. Maybe she knows that trials are oftentimes mercies in disguise, but she gives thanks that God did not take it away because she really believes that because of that, God has equipped her to be used to reach out to others, to help journey with other people. But it's not just Paul who had to wrestle with asking God for something that ultimately was not received. Even Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, as the crucifixion process, the trial, everything was was going underway. Just before that, he was alone. So Mark's gospel says it this way in chapter 14. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, which is a very intimate cry. It's like saying, Daddy, for you all things are possible. And so remove this cup from me. But the prayer didn't end there. 
that's where my prayer probably would have ended. It's where many of our prayers would have ended. But Jesus instead brings it back saying, yet not what I want, but what you want. And what a prayer that is. Lord, transform my will so that it matches your will for my life. But even Jesus maybe felt that that God's answer was hard to hear. And so people say, well, why doesn't God answer prayer? And I'm here to tell you, God does. God always answers our prayers. But sometimes it's in ways that, that we don't like. So let me give four, very quickly, four answers that God is giving us that, that maybe we don't think is, is right. The most difficult of those, of course, is no. We don't like to hear no, do we? We're kind of used to getting our way. But God needs to say no to us because so many things that we pray about and that we pray for are prayed selfishly. We are praying that we might be able to get ahead. We're praying for something every time we hear no that is not a part of God's will. I've come to the conclusion that too many of us treat God as if God was Santa Claus or an ATM. So why the no? It could be that God isn't saying no, but actually maybe this no is because God knows that God has something even better for you, something that you can't see yet because of our limited understanding based on on what we see to be real here on earth. Sometimes that no comes because God has something better. This illustration may not be great, but it's a story about a, a young man and his father. And this young man really just loves the NBA, he, and he, he loves the Chicago Bulls, and he's actually too young to even remember when they were great with Michael Jordan and, and all of that. But they had a tradition that any time there was what they deemed to be a, a big game, father and son would sit down together in front of the great big TV, and they would have popcorn, and, and they would have something cold to drink, and, and it was great. And this big game was coming up, and the father said, hey, son, come with me, we're going to run some errands before the start of the game. And at, at the beginning of running these errands, it, it, it seemed very, very normal. But then the son started to get nervous because it was clear where they were that was some distance from their house. If they didn't do something right now, they were going to miss the first part of that game, maybe even the whole first quarter. And so the son became what we would call a brat at that point in time and started pestering his father and started, you know, saying, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. He was beside himself. The father knew how important this was to him. Why wouldn't he allow them to go home when the son first asked for it? Well, the answer was because God had, or the father had something better. Sometimes no comes because God has something better for you. In the case of this son, it was surprise. I've got two center court tickets for us to be at the game together. We don't like to hear no, but there's always a reason behind the no. A second response that we don't like, maybe because it's hard to hear, is wait. We don't like to be told to wait. We are an increasingly impatient people. 
I can get information in a heartbeat just by going to my smartphone or to my laptop. I can be in communication in a heartbeat with somebody halfway around the world as long as we're both still awake and our internet connection is working. No, we're not accustomed to waiting and so we give up. But what I think as I meditate on that, what is most important is what we do while we're waiting. Are we being faithful as God's people? Are we giving up? Are we continuing to journey in our faith? And Jesus told story after story about about how persistence in matters of faith really come to bear fruit later in life. But it's hard for us because sometimes we literally need decades to see it play out fully. So no is a hard answer. Wait, hard, hard answer. But so too is the third answer where there are times where God may be saying, make it so. Make it so. You are the answer to many of your own prayers. And yet we ask for God to wave a wand, to send somebody else to help, when really we are being called to do things ourselves. There was a bumper sticker that one of the young men when I was working with youth used to have, and it said, as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in public schools. And that's true, but God's response, make it so, when that young student is praying the night before a big final or midterm exam, Lord, give me the wisdom for this test, that prayer is no substitute for that student actually reading the material, wrestling with it, seeking for answers. No is hard, wait is hard, make it so is hard, probably because we doubt ourselves We kind of underestimate what the power of God working through us can do through the Holy Spirit. But every once in a while, there is a yes that is given. And sometimes I think we need to repent because we feel like, well, I deserved that yes. We take it for granted. We never once stop and pause and give thanks to God for that goodness. And so we wrestle with with prayer and the response of God. I mean, what is prayer? How do we pray But a more important question is, what motivates our prayers? Do we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray? Jesus left for us that perfect example. And Jesus, in prayer, taught us how to mold a will to the will of God of creation. Jesus prayed for others. He prayed for all their work. And Jesus also prayed for you and I, even though we did not yet exist here on earth prayed for all who believe. And so we need to be a part of that. We need to hear what what Romans says. It says that the Holy Spirit can help us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray or how to pray for what we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And so if you're struggling with prayer, if you're struggling with prayer, go right back to that Lord's Prayer. We teach this often The Lord's Prayer is a perfect prayer because it's never once about I, me, or mine. It's about God and all of us collectively, our Father who art in heaven, the great mystery. Hallowed be your name, not Lord, make me great. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Make things right here. 
And so that prayer continues. You know, it's, it's give us this day our daily bread, our basic needs, our basic human rights is what we've been talking about in our Wednesday night small group. Basic needs are basic human rights. And so Lord, forgive us for all the ways in which we step into the wrong places at the wrong times with the wrong attitudes. Forgive us our trespasses. And Lord, make us people who are willing to forgive others. Free us from any resentment which is poison. And so God, keep us on the right track, not prone to temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, prayer in my own life, I call a spiritual discipline. And I call it a spiritual discipline because even, even though, yes, I hear those words, pray without ceasing, there are times in my journey through life that I have to intentionally make myself pray. I confess that there are times as, as your pastor that I don't feel like praying, but I know I need to. Even when I can't feel that God is, 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 is answering me, I need to continue to pursue God in prayer, understanding that there are going to be peaks and valleys in my prayer life. I mean, Mother Teresa for decades didn't hear God respond, and yet she continued to pray. She continued to do the work that she believed God had called her to do and given her the strength and the wisdom and the compassion and the mercy to do. Prayer in my life. I promise you that I'll never once tell you I, I'll pray for you and say that flippantly. No, even as I say that, I'm going to pray for you. I am praying for you. I'm holding you in prayer, and it's my prayer that you feel lighter because of it. Prayer without ceasing is a walking conversation. It's seeing God in creation. It's seeing God's love being demonstrated by our brothers and sisters, regardless of age, color, race, nationality. It is seeking to discern what God is up to. It is seeking to have eyes that see God everywhere and have ears that hear the small voice. So, when I feel like God hasn't answered my prayers, I have to remember that God indeed has. But maybe it was a no because my prayers were selfish and not God's will. Maybe it was await because God has something even greater in store for us. Maybe it's God telling us, I've given you everything you need to do this. And every once in a while, we are very lucky and we say, or we hear the word, yes, yes. But no matter what the answer is, I trust the mystery will work all things together for good. That's a promise that we've all been given. And that's great news. Amen.